Now, if you did that on land, so you wanted to, you saw a bird you wanted to eat, but to, to get that bird, you had to go in and pull up all the trees and all the plants in that particular woodland, people would be horrified. But because it takes place under the water and we can't see what people are doing, we really haven't thought about it too much over the years. was Chair of Action for Wildlife Jersey Chris Perkins talking about the havoc a type of fishing called dredging is wreaking on local marine life. And I'm Fiona Potany. I'm the news editor of Bailiwick Express and this is our podcast. Each week we'll be dissecting some of the key issues affecting our island in greater detail. We're all aware that there's a climate emergency. Here in Jersey we've been working towards the goal of carbon neutrality by 2030. We've been pollinating, paper strawing, recycling, litter picking, evie biking... But most of this focus has been on land, and there's a worry that the importance of protecting the sea has been forgotten. Marine life plays a key part in the ecosystem, but it's under threat, and not just from plastics. Documentaries like the recent Sea Spiracy have shown us this. While we're not seeing some kind of Jersey Spiracy, the island's waters are still at risk of overfishing from certain vessels. And we're similarly grappling with the issue of bycatch, when marine creatures like dolphins are accidentally caught, often dying in the process. Jersey's waters are also under threat of deforestation. They're home to an abundance of seagrass, plant life whose carbon-capturing skills put rainforests to shame. But environmental campaigners say there's an answer, designating Jersey's waters as a protected marine conservation park. Among those voices is Chris Perkins, who has dedicated many years of his life to the protection of local wildlife, both at sea and on land. I spoke to him and started by asking him what's so special about Jersey's waters. Well, I suppose, as most people would say about our waters, that they're very clean. We have this amazing tidal range of somewhere in the region of uh, 11 metres or 40 feet for people of my generation. So there's lots of movement in those tidal waters. There's a lot of marine life. There's a lot of interest with, with that massive movement. So you've got lots of intertidal species. You've, you've got lots of um, more sort of deep water species. I'm not an expert on, on the local marine environment, but it's something that's always been very fascinating and something as, as an island we're, we're very proud of. And of course, um, people come to visit Jersey in, at times just for our local marine environment. So what are the key threats to our marine life? I suppose the main threat here is um, is from fishing or from, from overfishing. And as, as things have moved on, I suppose at one time everybody regard, regarded fishing as just an activity that takes place. It's quite interesting that we still refer to, to fish as being stock, like we talk about livestock, although livestock have been bred and, and are kept for that very purpose, whereas fish stocks are just wild animals that live in the sea, and that's maybe something that people are starting to realise, that they're not really stocks, they're not really something there for our own exploitation, and we have to think a bit more carefully about something that for many years has probably really been out of sight, out of mind, but... You know, documentaries like Seaspiracy and those sort of things are, are bringing this sort of thing to people's attention and we're thinking a bit more deeply about what most of the time is just under the, underneath that sort of blue surface, but there's things that need to be thought about and protected. You talk about the threat of fishing. Is this any fishing or are there specific types that can be more damaging than others? What's really been brought to mind recently and obviously it's been in the press quite a bit has been is, is dredging specifically if you think about it dredging is just basically dragging some very heavy steel apparatus across 
across the bottom of the sea and, and pulling up whatever happens to be within those first few inches of the seabed. Now, if you did that on land, so you wanted to, you saw a bird you wanted to eat, but to, to get that bird, you had to go in and pull up all the trees and all the plants in that particular woodland, people would be horrified. But because it takes place under the water and we can't see what people are doing, we really haven't thought about it too much over the years. But that's probably the main threat. You know, if you're dragging heavy steel apparatus across the surface of the across the bottom of the sea it's going to have a major effect on that on that particular ecosystem what protections are there for the wildlife we have in the sea currently well we have some some designations so um i was on the first committee which designated the first ramsar site in the island which is our southeast coast and we have a few more now around the uh around the Ekro and the Minkies, but they really are sort of designations which just say, look, this is a special place. There's not really much in the way of controls. There are one or two uh, marine protection zones now which have more uh, strict controls where, where people aren't allowed to fish, and that is, that's, I believe, is showing some benefit to the, to the local ecosystems. So those are the sort of protections we have. And, of course, we have the, the much-talked-about licences for who can fish and who can't fish within our territorial waters. But now you think the time has come to step up that protection and want Jersey designated as a coastal marine park. What would that mean? Well, this is something that's, that's come up particularly internationally. So they have the, what's called this Grand Coalition, where a lot of the major countries, and it's led by Britain and France, have said they've promised to designate 30% of their land area and, and their marine area as areas of special conservation. And I think Jersey should be doing the same thing. And I know there are proposals to protect 30% of our territorial waters as a, as a marine conservation park, to actually protect that particular area and make sure that um, those ecosystems are protected. And if you protect an area like that, then you would have to restrict any sorts of what they call mobile fishing, so trawling and dredging to, uh, to make sure that, um, that the, the animals in the area are, are thoroughly protected. Are there any specific parts of the island that are more at risk or more in need of protection than others? Well, I believe that the most um, vulnerable area in the area that probably should be designated is really stretches from the southeast of the island down as far as the Minkies because that's got major areas of, of areas like seagrass and so forth. And um, it's quite interesting when you when you see that um, when we talk about about the climate, for instance, that seagrass is better at at absorbing and, and holding carbon than tropical rainforests. In fact, they say that uh, seagrass sequesters 35 times more carbon than a tropical rainforest. So it's not just the animals, but it's actually that the plants, etc., within the area as well that need protecting. So those sort of areas are, are particularly vital. What sort of response, if this were to be designated as a protected zone, what would that mean for fishing? Well, my understanding, and, and I think what would be supported, would be what they call mobile fishing would be banned in these protected areas. But um, the more traditional Jersey type of fishing, which would be fishing with pots for, for crabs and lobsters, uh, which isn't so nearly as, as, as damaging to the marine environment, would could be allowed to continue. What kind of response do we anticipate that this sort of designation could have from the fishing community? They might say this is our livelihood, it's extremely important to us. How do we make that argument to them? There's only a small part of the Jersey fishing industry, for instance, which, which relies on, on, on dredging and, and mobile fishing. So the vast majority of the Jersey industry is with, with pots and so forth anyway. I think it's just a matter of, not just a matter, but so traditionally, if you look at sort of hunting and, and so forth on land, people st- slowly start to accept that actually what you're doing, you know, 
isn't the way to go. I mean, if you if you stepped out on land now and, and shot a cow or something like that, people would be horrified. And and I think thoughts are changing. And and I think you know the our local fishing industry wouldn't be so very very severely affected by a, a designation of just sort of thirty percent of our waters to mobile fishing. It may be a bit more of a, an issue with our with our, our French cousins, but that's that's something maybe that our, our government's going to have to stand up and address. How would we police this kind of thing? Do you think that if we had a marine park, we'd need to have more of a presence in the seas to be keeping watch? You imagine you would be, and if you had a park on land, if you had a national park or something, for instance, you'd have rangers on that park. So if you have a sea park, you'd you'd have to have the same sort of thing. If, I mean, if you went to the Serengeti to, to look at wildlife in the Serengeti, there would be rangers there to make sure that people were doing the right thing and behaving themselves. And in a marine park, you'd probably just have to have, to have the same sort of thing. It would have to be police just as anything would be on land. Just moving back to Jersey as a sort of fragment of a global picture here, you talk about how the seagrass is really important in capturing carbon. What kind of impact would we make? I mean, we're only a small place. Uh, I do understand that one of the un- we're one of the only places in the British Isles where seagrass is actually increasing. Uh, it's been under threat for various reasons uh, all over the world, in fact. So we're only a small place, but we're a small and, and wealthy place and a place that's actually pretty well known. So it's really a case of... Do we want to be trailing everybody else or be there first, setting an example to the rest of the world that this is the way you can do it? And that, that then gives you your advantages in terms of tourism and so forth, that this is a green, forward-looking island that, that people want to be proud of and to come and visit. Would this be something that you'd see as a permanent measure or a temporary measure? I mean, is the overall ambition protection or is it a, a wider restoration? Well, I think it would be permanent in terms of a, a marine conservation park. And I think we'd probably see the benefits in terms of wildlife pretty quickly. And I think also people are just are thinking more carefully about where their food come from as, comes from as well. And with the sort of publicity, etc., that's coming with it, people are increasingly thinking, well, I'm buying scallops. Are they hand-dived? Have they been dredged? Are they local? Where have they come from? My wife and I were in the supermarket the other day, and, and one of the, the major sort of frozen food manufacturers were advertising this type of fish, and we thought, we've never even heard of that. And we thought, I know why, because they fished out all the other stocks. So they're now resorting to types of fish that we've never even heard of. And, and people are starting to notice that sort of thing. So, um, you know, I think things are moving forward. Do you think there needs to perhaps be more publicity of the sources of fish that we're selling in our supermarkets so that we know exactly where it's coming from, its provenance? Very much so. I mean, it's, it's a difficult thing to do. Um, and I think it's probably the, the sort of thing that our, our, our local fishmongers, fish producers could, could do and be proud of and saying, that, you know, this is from this is local provenance. I mean, it's a little bit like going into the butcher and buying meat from local provenance that you know that it's, you know, it's come from nearby. You probably know what the welfare standards have been and so on and so forth. So it's something that uh, that sort of local producers could think about. We we see from documentaries like Seaspiracy that some of these labels that you have that say things are dolphin friendly, etc., perhaps aren't necessarily so. So you have to be careful about uh, where you're getting for information from and who, who's telling you. But locally, it may be something that uh, that could be promoted. On the topic of bycatch, do you think there could be more regulation of that? I think it's probably very hard to regulate because I mean, if you're putting a big line of net in the sea, I mean, it's inevitable you're going to you're going to catch things that you don't intend to catch, and they don't always survive even if they're put straight back in. So, 
it is difficult again if we think about if we think if you want to buy fish if you think about local then they get they tend to be small boats and they know what they've seen what they've caught and things probably can go back whereas not far off our territorial waters, some of the, the fishing that's going on not far from where us are, are fishing with boats with a, a kilometre of net in between two boats. There's no way they're going to be doing much about bycatch. A lot of publicity a couple of years ago that they were landing tuna on, on, the, on the French coast. Well, they were landing tuna because they were being caught in a, in a kilometre of net between two ships, along with lots of other things as well that they weren't intending to catch. Do you think the ultimate conclusion will perhaps be coming to it might be that dredging and trawling just shouldn't happen anymore? I can't see that it is sustainable, um, particularly dredging. If you're damaging the, the bottom of the ocean, uh, and I believe, for instance, with scallop fishing, that actually if you keep dredging, keep dredging, all you will end up catching is scallops because there's not much else left there after a while. I think the way things are going, and we know the way things have gone over the last 10, 20 years, people start to, to, to vote with their wallets and they'll be thinking about what they're buying and where it's come from and so on and so forth. So it may not be a case, too much of a case of banning things long term because people will be thinking about more carefully about where their food comes from. Aside from protecting our marine life, what other opportunities could creating a marine conservation park bring? Could we use this as a selling point to boost tourism? Oh, very much so. I mean, we you know, we already have a number of tour operators who work here locally, and I mean, it, it, there's not many places that, that you can go where you can you can you can jump in a rib or something and head out to offshore reefs, and you've got a, a pretty good chance of seeing dolphins, for instance. Those animals, um, those marine creatures, they, they live off, off off the local fish off, and that sort of thing. If um, there's much less pressure on the environment, we're going to get more of these big, interesting species coming into our local waters, which will attract the tourists, which will have people coming in to see what we've got on our, our pristine local waters. So there's very much an opportunity there for, for Jersey to present itself as being a an environmentally sustainable island. How likely do you think it is that Jersey being designated as a marine park will happen and what do we need to do to get to that point? Well, we were hoping that the that, that it would be in the, the bridging island plan. I've waded my way through it as, as much as I can so far and I can't see it's there yet. But there's still an opportunity really for people to, to contact their, their, their state's members or contact the environment minister and, and say, well, you know, this is what needs to happen. We need to be looking after our entire environment, our terrestrial and our marine environment, and lobbying the state's members and saying, look, designate this as, as, as a marine conservation park and do it now rather than later. Chris Perkins, thank you. It's an issue Express will be continuing to follow and you can get all the latest updates on bailiwickexpress.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please like and share. It all helps. The intro music was I Shift My Weight by Luno. This has been the Bailiwick Podcast. More next week from me, Fiona Potany, and the Bailiwick Express team. Mm-hmm.